If you guys would pray with me and for me while I pray with you and for you, and then we'll go and get started. It's not a good deal? Wow. Yeah, that was good singing, so you're still catching up. Let's try again. Hey, does that work? Yeah. Yeah, cool, let's do this. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, truly. Man, what a beautiful day. And um, thank you for the sunshine. God, thank you for, man, a building full of people that are here seeking you, God. Um, it's incredible that you're, you're working uh, with us, on us, for us, um, at different places in life. And we're all at different places in our journey, but you're there in every single one of them, moving, uh, motivated by your love and desire to uh, heal us and make us everything we're supposed to be. So thankful for that. Lord, I pray that you would help me today, Father, to preach your word and only your word and that I wouldn't get in the way. And Lord, I pray that, man, for those that are hurting in here and having a hard time even focusing or those that are weighed down by the pressures of this life, that for these next few moments and minutes as we read your word and try to grasp your truth, that they would have peace and rest from that and be able to truly be present. We thank you, Father. Uh, man, have your way here. We trust you. We give you glory. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. How are you guys doing today? That's so much better. That makes me feel good. Because it's really awkward when I say something and one person goes, yeah. So I'm really excited to see you guys. Welcome to The Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the pastor here. So if it is your first time, your first time in a while, we're in the middle of a series. But don't worry, each series, each message in the series is pretty much independent of the other. I like to do that. So what did this one come from? I say this every week, but just in case you've missed, it's Letters to a Church. A good friend of mine, he's in here, uh, probably going to hide. Uh, if I say his name, his name's David. Anyway, David um, said to me about a month ago, a month and a half ago now, he said, hey, Todd, he, we randomly talk about nerdy things that no one else would be interested in um, throughout the week. And he said, what would it be like if you wrote a letter to your church? Let's say you were leaving to the remnant, right? Like you're saying, I don't know, you're going to be gone for a while. What, what would you write? And I'm sure he wanted me to respond, but that was a heavy question. That, that had a lot to it. So I started thinking and praying, and he, I will say what he said to you, in case you're in here in the type that is looking for some sort of heresy. Um, clearly, I'm not Paul. <laughs> clearly, I'm not an apostle. He made sure to say that, too, because he knows how people are. So we don't think that, but it just gave me an opportunity to really think and pray about, man, what would I say to this church that I love so much, right? What would I, what would I say? What would I want to bring forth from God's Word? So that's where we're at. And today is crowns and chains, and... Um, if you want to catch up on the series, those should all be online, right? Yep, they're all caught up. So you can go to www.theremnant.life and slash sermons or just find the place where it says that. So today I want to talk about the idea or image of crowns and chains. Crowns and chains. You ready for a very deep thought here? At least I think so. Some of you are so brilliant, you're like, that's not deep. But I think life is more often than not, and I think it's shown in the Bible, about crowns and chains. What do I mean by that? Life is about crowns and chains. Listen, if you're in the room today and you're Christian, then what I'm going to say to you, you know to be truth. If you're in the room today and you're on a journey and you're curious but you're not there, I'm going to tell you a truth that you may not have accepted yet, but it doesn't make it any less true. And that truth is this, that we are all in our natural state, meaning the way we're born, without intervention from God. We're chained in our natural state. We're prisoners. We're prisoners. We're trapped within a cell of sin. Now, before you check out, right, sin. Sin here, I'm not even talking about the things that we do, the bad things we do. Those are all a product of being trapped, of being infected with something inside of us that no matter how much we clean up the outside, we can't get free of. It's that thing that even if we've had a good day and we've had a lot of good days strung together, that when we lay in bed at night, right, if, you're, if you're still trapped in this, and sometimes even if you're not, you start thinking and feeling shame and guilt and condemnation and like you're on this never-ending uh, cycle right? of maybe I can be a little better than I was yesterday before I inevitably show my true colors right, and show what I really am. We're slaves. How many times have you thought to yourself, why did I do that? Why did I do what I didn't want to do? We all have had those moments. Even if you're not there now, you've had them in your life. 
We're slaves and prisoners of those sinful desires and of the, listen, the brokenness that comes from that dark, deep cell. You see, when you're in there, you realize how broken you really are. Now, here's the thing. So most of life, for most of humanity, and here's the crowns thing, and, and, and Scripture talks about the image of crowns, but for me and our image today, the world is imprisoned, but it doesn't like that. It doesn't like to admit that it's a prisoner, right? Because we're under the illusion that, well, we're God. So even if we're a God of our own little cell, if we can make and fashion a little tin crown that tells us we're king or queen of our own cell, then we'll feel a little better about it. So what you see when you look at the media and television and social media and all those other things in the workplace sometimes is a constant scramble to make a bigger and bigger tinfoil crown. Something that can make us forget maybe, right? If it's shiny enough, if I can make you appreciate it even though you're in a cell, if mine looks better, then for a short time, maybe I'll forget that I'm a prisoner. It's not true. That's why it's never enough, right? Whatever your thing is, it's never enough. Because deep, deep down in the dark, when you're by yourself, when we are by ourselves, we know that. We know it's just an act and an illusion on our own. That's pretty hopeless, isn't it? It is. However, here's the thing. Christ has come to free us from that. If you're in the room and you say, what's Jesus all about? See, Jesus wasn't just here to tell you all the bad things you did. Now, he does. He has to make us understand that we are prisoners. He has to remove the tinfoil crown. He has to remove the paint. He has to make us look and understand what we really are before we can be free. You see, you can't be free if you don't believe you're enslaved. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't. And so Jesus, what he did was he, he didn't do anything except show us a mirror. Except make us look in the mirror and see what we really are on our own. But Jesus came to free us from that. That's all of it, right? I've come to set the captives free. It's a beautiful thing. Prophesized in Isaiah and then he says it himself, right? I am him. He came to free us from the chains that bind us to that small dark room. I want you to envision that, right? There's just, this is this small dark room right right here I always wonder outside of my tape I'm not allowed to go outside the tape to be on the screen but I just did I think I think I'm off right now anyway over here in this dark cell but his sacrifice means our penalty is paid and we're freed from a prison of our own creation see we 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 can tell ourselves we did, we're not that bad but it doesn't matter if your crime is worse when we're all prisoners his sacrifice pays the penalty, and we hear the sound, right? As the door opens, the chains fall off, and the light of God shines in for the first time. We're no longer prisoners. We're no longer chained. Not only does Jesus and the cross free us from the penalty of sin, and I'll explain this later because it does, but he goes farther. See, that would be almost cruel to let us out of the prison, but make it. So, but if he doesn't change our hearts, what's going to happen? We're going to end up back in the prison. You understand what I'm saying? He can't just open the door. He's got to change our mindset. He has to change us so that we don't go back to jail. We don't do those things. So his blood cleanses us from the dirt and grime of a lifetime of sin and selfish patterns. And in the light of his love, and empowered by the power of his Holy Spirit. See, that's what it is. He empowers us. <laughs> he frees us and then empowers us to live free. We're made holy. Isn't that incredible? He frees us and he makes us holy. Now, here's the thing. He begins the process of making the outside catch up with the inside. Are you with me? Because just like the outward symptoms, I said earlier, sinful patterns come from the inside, and so too, it takes a while for the, that light from the inside to shine through the outside and change our actions. That takes a little bit. It does. We begin to be changed into what we were created to be, holy as he is holy. Our chains are replaced with the crown of righteousness, as Scripture says. We're given a crown. I told you that the first week, that he is our father, that we are adopted, that we are co-heirs, all of these things. 
all of these things. We're adopted, made co-heirs, high priests, and you become, the Bible actually says you are a living temple. (laughs) It's incredible. Of the Holy Spirit, that he lives inside of you. And yet so many times, guys, listen, stay with me. We and you are content to walk back into this cell, to grab the chains and wrap them around our wrists again because at least in the cell, it's comfortable. You see, when you spend so long in a place, it becomes very comfortable, doesn't it? Have you ever heard of that before? Prisoners who get out of jail and they sleep on the floor because they're not used to the bed, right? They're not used to it after years. And Have you heard about prisoners that get out if they've been there long term and they kill themselves because they cannot understand what it is to be free? Even though life free is better, it's scary and they would rather be comfortable. So, so many of you, the reason that you're in a pattern is you walk back into the cell because you're afraid. We go into the comfortable confines of the cell we were once freed from and in that dark and dusty place, we wrap the chains of sin back around ourselves We forget we have a crown. It stays there, but we forget. It loses its luster, and before long, we feel chained again. Feel chained. It's a key word. It doesn't mean we are. We feel trapped in fear, insecurity, pain, uncertainty, and shame, and we begin to forget who we are and who our Father is. And in that fear, we begin to feel like prisoners again. Maybe you've heard words like backslide. You ever heard that? I've backslidden, he's backslidden. You ever wonder what they slid into? Well, the lie here, I'm about to challenge some of your understanding, is that we slide back into being prisoners. That that becomes our identity, that we lose our crown and we become prisoners. And so we cry out in fear as the door to the prison shuts once more and darkness envelops us and we think that that's what it is that we're content, that we should be content to stay there. Here's the thing. Is that the truth of the gospel, though? No, it's not. It's not. We're going to read a big chunk of Scripture today, all right? I tend to not do this because I know I lose you. But, well, I want to read it, and I want you to understand, and I, and I did, intentionally chose a very, um, we're going to go over this again. I told you guys we're going to go through Romans here soon. We're going to read a section of Romans, and I want you to actually hear me and read this as though you don't know what it says. You've never heard it before. And, and take it at its word. And we're going to read and see what picture this paints. Okay? So, who wrote Romans? Paul. Nice. I was just Anytime you're unsure, just guess Paul. And most of the time, you're going to be right. Unless it's named Timothy. Don't guess Paul if it's, well, actually, in that case, it would be. But if it's John, yeah. All right. So, we're going to jump. I want to start in Romans chapter 4. Now, what he does here, Paul is explaining to primarily Jewish Uh, believers at the time, and he's trying to get them to understand about the concept of being freed from the law. The law, right? You guys know what that is? It's all the rules and regulations that the religion had given them. This is what you have to do to be right with God. Right with God, righteous. That's what it means. And so he tells us and he gives us an explanation. He talks about, uh, he makes the, the connection between Abraham, and he says, listen, Abraham wasn't credited with righteousness because he followed the law. There was no law yet, right? He was credited with righteousness because he believed and trusted God. That's it. And then he says here what happens. It goes on to Jesus. In Romans chapter 4, verse 25, it says, He, who do you think he was? Capital H. There you go. Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses. What's trespasses? Sins, mistakes, our crimes. It's important. And raised for our justification. I want to pause. Justification is a term that we're like, yeah, justified. No real clue what that means. Many of us don't. Justification is a legal term. It means the debt is paid, right? That the, uh, what you owe the law, right? The penalty that needs to be paid has been met. You are justified before the courtroom. It's a legal term. It's not something that is kind of. You either are justified or you are not. There is no in-between. And once you are justified, you cannot go back to being not justified. You understand? It's, a, it's stamped, you're sent out of court, it's over. Not guilty. So he says, he, Jesus, was delivered for our trespasses. He was delivered, what do you think that means? When he was killed, right? He was raised for our justification. Goes Romans, the very next verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous, right with God, By faith, 
ooh, this is good. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We have peace. Because you were guilty, there is no peace between you and God. Christ justified you so that now there is peace. You jump down to verse 6, chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. Who do you think the ungodly were? You, me, us. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. For if while we were enemies, when you were still enemies, he came, justified you, reconciled you to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have now received this reconciliation through him. And jump down a couple chapters. I want to put this all together. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. You've heard me say the first part. Therefore, because of what I just said, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. This is key. Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. I could just walk out right now. Right? That's it. I'll explain this the best I can. Listen, Jesus came for our sin. He was punished for our sin, our mistakes, those things you're ashamed of at night, those things you've done in your past that haunt you, those things you might do today. He already died for them. He was delivered for it. He died for those things. That is humbling. That the times we think there wasn't a cost for the things we did, there was a cost. There was a cost. He was raised for our justification. And because of that, we've been declared righteous by what? Faith. You're declared righteous with him because you believe him. You've put your faith in him. You said, listen, I'm going to take it. He took my place. See, some of you guys need to, this is the old school, you know, southern in me. Some of you guys, if I was talking about like happy days, you'd be like, yeah, man, I love happy days. But when it comes to talking about deep truths that you need to understand, Everybody's like, man, it's hot in here. It is, by the way. Whew. Stay with me. He goes on and said, listen, if we were helpless, if while we were helpless, Christ died for us, right? He died for you when? When you were at the worst, when you were sinful, when you were his enemy, he died for you. He proves his love that while we were still sinners, when we were enemies, he died for us. And then he says, if he did that when you were his enemy, what will he do for you? Now that you're his family. If he would go so far as to die for you when you were his enemy, what will he do now that you've been adopted, brought into the home? Right? I'll tell you what he will do for you. He will make you holy. He will bless you. He will provide for you, take care of you. He will keep his promises for you. This whole process, theologically, is called justification. It's very important that I'm telling you the term because in a moment, we're going to discuss the concept of why sometimes we allow ourselves to continue to feel like prisoners when we aren't. Okay? So, sounds pretty good, right? We've been freed. We've been justified. Everything's good. We have peace with God. Now what? So, should we just go out and party it up? We got out of jail. Let's go snort some cocaine. Right? Right? I'm serious. That's, uh, that's the gist of what we think here. You go put in for, for drugs, let's get out, let's just go out immediately the first day and party. Why? God already justified me. All right, I'm cool. I got to do what I want, sin all I want, free car, because Jesus died. Now, before you laugh at that, that is the way some of you live. You think his freedom means freedom to sin instead of freedom from sin. But there's no condemnation. That's interesting. So what do we do with that? Well, in Romans... Chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. 
I want to I talk about something. We've we got to put all this together. So, we already know we're justified. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Essentially, hey, since we're free, why don't we sin more so that we can give even more glory to God for all the bad things that He saved us from? That's pretty twisted, isn't it? Guess what? Some of you live that way. Some of you live that way. Sometimes I live that way. Absolutely not. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. Why? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we, this is important, too may walk in a new way of life. For if we've been joined with him in the likeness of his death, if we died with him, we will certainly also be like him in his resurrection. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? For we know that our old self was crucified with him. But listen, the old you is already dead. It died on the cross. In order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. Jump down to verse 11. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Listen, guys, incredible truth. I told you that we, we have a prison cell. That's where we're all at. It doesn't matter if you believe it. If you're in the room and you say, I'm not a Christian, I'm not in a prison cell. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That's why you do what you don't want to do all the time. That's why you're like an animal sometimes. That's the truth. Sometimes you literally just react. Someone hurts you, hurt them. You want something, take it. It doesn't matter the cost. Where does that come from? You're a slave to that. You're a prisoner. God frees us from it. We walk out in the newness of light. He does not free us to continue to be criminals. He frees us to live as saints. To live how? As he was when he was, right? Not just alive when he was resurrected. That's incredible. I know, this is deep. Stay with me. I'll wrap it up in Todd language, which is much simpler. You walk out of the prison and you get scared. And you don't want to follow God. You want to follow those old desires, right? Use whatever analogy you want. Addiction. You don't necessarily want that thing you're addicted to, do you? But you go back to it. Why? Because it distracts you. You'd rather be distracted in a dark cell, right? Than be obedient and holy in freedom. You take temporary happiness over long-term joy. Guys, it's a fact. And so Jesus says to follow us, follow me, and we do. We follow him, we've been freed, and it's great. But then he asks us to do something we're not comfortable with. He asks us to let go of something we don't want to let go of. And so we would rather walk back in the jail cell, put the shackles on that aren't even locked, and sit there as a prisoner. That's what you do when you go back to sin. You know, Paul makes this incredible statement. He says, you literally are going back and making yourself a slave to something you've been freed from. You are going back into prison. It's a crazy thing. He begins to make us holy. See, two things happen when he frees us from prison. Okay? We are justified. I told you that's a legal thing. But then he begins a process called sanctified, right? That's what humans call it. That's what we call it, sanctification. It's this process of becoming, of the outside matching the inside, of becoming more like Jesus. And here's the weird part. The first part, justification, listen, this is why it can't be taken away. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. It is completely initiated and completed by God the Father. Now, some of you, I, I hope this shakes you up. Do you understand that? You can't lose salvation when you did nothing to earn it. You did nothing to earn it. All you are is a passive person in this process. You accept it, period. Now, you know why some of you don't like that? Because you like the illusion of control. You like to think that you somehow have control over God owing you salvation. The problem is, so you feel good about yourself when you look around at all your other Christian friends who you're better than, but they're not the standard, Jesus is, and you fall woefully short of perfection. You should be very thankful that you have nothing to do with your justification. 
you are made right with God. Now, here's the thing. Paul talks about this, and he says you're freed. But some of you are taking that freedom and using it to live like slaves. And why, why is this a problem? So when you hear the term backslide, it's gotten mixed up. You can't backslide in justification. You can't backslide. I'm sorry, you can't. He did it. He saved you. You can't lose salvation. Paul talks about the Bible. There are very smart theologians that believe you can, okay? I don't see it. It's justified and made holy by him. You cannot do it. If so, then every single day, every single minute, you would have to be asking for forgiveness and for your salvation over and over and over again. You would. Because everything you do, your best acts are like what? Filthy rags. However, this is where I tend to lose people. And they're like, well, I don't believe that. Stay with me. So what, what has happened if you've been living this way or taught this way is that you have confused that justification with sanctification. You certainly can backslide in the area of holiness. You can. God's going to complete it, period. He said that. God said, I will, right? The Father will complete the good work he has started in you. That's going to happen. But you can rebel, You can run back inside the prison. You can live like you're not saved and make life miserable for yourself. You can become less like Jesus in your actions. You have a part in that. It's a strange, remember I told you earlier, justification is solely God. He does it. Sanctification is a partnership between the Holy Spirit and you and your choices to follow that or to not. And it's a, it's a struggle. How do I know? The Apostle Paul says so himself in Romans chapter 7 when he says, I do what I don't want to do, don't do what I want to do. I find this law at work within me. Part of me wants to follow God, part of me doesn't. He ends the chapter by saying, I'm so thankful for Jesus. And then follows it up with Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation in Christ because I've been set free. Now stay with me. It's important for you to understand this. Can you put that image up, the picture with the line? He knows what I'm talking about. There. I don't know if you guys can see this or if it's cut off. Is it cut off? You can see it? Okay. This is a great way to, to, to put this. Justification, below the line you are unsaved. That's when you are a prisoner. You're a prisoner. You're locked in the cell under there. When, when you accept Christ, you're immediately justified. You're on the other line. You are freed. Now here's the problem. Then, not a problem. It's a good thing. You begin this process of becoming more like Jesus. I love this line because it shows it going up and down. Sometimes we mess up, don't we? And we hope to continue to go up there. What's at the very top? That's called glorification. That only happens on the other side. When we become fully glorified like Jesus. But until that time, life is a process of becoming more like him. Does that mean we should live in fear? No, because we are always justified. You are always a son or daughter. You are always a co-heir. Always. You are always free. This is so important. So yes, I like this too. You can backslide, right, the mountain. You can become less like Jesus. That's what people say. Well, why did this person do this or this or this? That's what our testimonies are often filled with. Moments when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to slide down the hill and we end up somewhere that we shouldn't be. But that doesn't change who we are to the Father. It doesn't change our identity. It just changes our perception of our identity. That's very important. And so we feel like slaves when we're not. Some of you were raised in a background where you lived in constant fear of backsliding and losing your salvation. Now, what, why, that's so, why I'm so passionate about this, and it may not be coming across, but I am, is because one is it makes light of the cross. If I can lose something, if I can lose my salvation, then what did Jesus do? Temporarily clean the slate? Of course not, right? Some of you were raised that way, and so what ends up happening is that's why you've given up. Somewhere along the line, maybe you're in this room and you said, I put my faith in Jesus, and then I I realized I I wasn't perfect, and then I started pretending to be perfect, right? I started lying and hiding and hiding my mistakes, and then what happened was I ended up exhausted from this this constant up and down of I'm good for a couple weeks, and then I'm bad. I'm good for a couple weeks, and then I'm bad. Constantly feeling like garbage until what? You finally leave the church because you can't. Do it. You have to free yourself from that. Free, that's good. You have to free yourself from that mindset because you've been set free. It's so important. Does that make sanctification unimportant? Of course not. The reality is if you don't follow God, there are consequences. There are consequences to it. It's just like if you right now decided not to eat for the next 80 days or drink water, you're going to be in the hospital. That's a consequence 
That's a natural uh, law. You see, God is not only freeing us, his directions are to keep us what? It's to minimize the junk that's going to happen. Sometimes we jump off a cliff sometimes and then blame God that we have broken legs. Right? We do. Well, it's not, and I don't know about you, but I lie to myself. I'm like, this time it'll be fine. <laughs> right? I, I, I have a limp still, and I'm like, I'll be fine this time. Jump off again. Listen, guys. When we are justified, he begins to make us who we are. He brings us out, and he reminds us of who he created us to be. Not only have you been freed, but you are now mine again. You are my son. You are my daughter. Now let me show you how a son or daughter of the king is supposed to live. You know, and, and here's the perfect example of it. Your big brother, Jesus, right? Co-heirs with Christ. We follow Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. Do as I do. And that process is sanctification. Now listen, we are made holy by God, right? That's, we are. I know this is complicated a little, right? We are made holy. We are made holy. We, we are holy because of the spirit that's within us, but the outside takes a while to catch up. Do you want it to happen quicker or slower? Right? If Jesus was standing there and he said, listen, you can go through 50 years of misery or 50 years of trials, but you're going to be more like me, what are you going to choose? Now, before you say it, you're like, well, it's not a perfect analogy. Yes, it is, because the misery you still aren't like him. You're just choosing to be miserable. Jesus' way is the best way. So this process that we have a part to play in called sanctification, we can choose to follow God in his direction and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We can choose to access that power he's given us to overcome sin. Or we can choose to walk back into that dark, deep, dank prison cell and allow ourselves to be content being less than we're meant to be we can backslide in our pursuit of holiness. Maybe you've beat the big things. You know, a lot of times what I've found are the people that want to believe that you can lose your salvation, they can backslide into it. The reason is, is because they've defeated the big sins, right? Which are just the ones we can see. They're usually struggling in areas of pride, right? Love, humility, grace, mercy, I think, I told you, I, read, I, wanted, I wanted to explain all that so then I can make my point. Because believe it or not, my point isn't to teach you about sanctification and justification. If so, that would take a lot longer. But that's the gist of it. Some of you, I don't know how to get you to understand, and I'm talking to myself. The reason that you play make-believe or pretend, the reason that you come and go in your faith, the, the reason that you walk and stop, the reason that it feels so fake to you, the reason that it feels so heavy and miserable is because you aren't living in the freedom that Christ's death and resurrection bought you. I want you to take a second for me and really think about your faith. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Maybe I should. Maybe it would be good for you to see. How many of you? We'll see. No, no one can, the camera can't see, by the way, just me. I'll be the only one judging. I'm just kidding. How many in this room, right, sometimes feel like this is impossible, that being a Christian is impossible? How many, look around. How many of you sometimes think it'd be way easy? I don't want to do this. Raise your hand honestly. Sometimes you don't want to, look around. Look, I'm, I'm giving you freedom to look. No one's going to think, that's wrong. Something's wrong. When 95% of the people in this room say, I sometimes don't want to do this, does that sound like good news? It sounds like religion. I am heartbroken at that. But Jesus came, this man, right? That's why we cry when we see him, right? It depicted, or we see these moments. You've seen The Chosen? I'm going to keep selling it. I love it, right? But these moments, everybody's like, man, the, it's so crazy too. The moments that are most like, that's so impactful, directly from the Bible. You want to follow him, don't you? Because he sees you and he loves you. And it doesn't seem dependent on your actions. I literally am almost about to cry. I'm so thankful for your honesty. Because it shows me that regardless of the, con, of the quality of this message that it was needed, listen to me. The reason you feel that way is because you aren't living free. You've bought into this lie that it, it, it's about some sort of 
performance treadmill. If I perform well enough, then he will forgive me of these things. If I perform well enough, then maybe he will still call me fa- a son or daughter. If I, if I perform well enough, maybe he'll keep loving me. Maybe he'll take care of me. Maybe he will actually answer my prayers. How many of you think that? He doesn't answer your prayers because of what you've done. He answers your prayers because of who you are. You've got to hear that. You've got to hear that. We've missed something in the Gospels today. I shouldn't feel like I have to be defensive to tell you that, right? I went to seminary, even though many people, by the way, that's one of the, I didn't go, yes, I did. And in seminary, I, I sometimes there's so many things I learned, so many things I appreciate, but sometimes I wonder, like, I don't know, like, did we, are we missing something? I took a bunch of fishermen, I wonder why. And tax collectors. He had to use people that, that could be free by understanding they could never be good enough. See, there's freedom in that. The Christian faith should not be something you wake up every day and dread. You shouldn't dread going to church. You shouldn't dread uh, serving in ministry. You shouldn't dread calling yourself a Christian. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. You shouldn't have to constantly defend it in the sense of, you will defend it from the world, but in the sense of you're not really, oh, this, it shouldn't be that way. It's because you believe that you're not free. I've said this several times lately, and I know some of you are like, I think there's a purpose, there's a reason. Think about this for a second. Do me a favor. I want you to think about, even if you don't believe it, if for the next 10 seconds you could believe that nothing you ever did would separate you from the love of God. Not, Not putting up with you, Nothing I do can separate God from putting up with me. That's not what I'm talking about. That nothing you could do could separate you from his love. The way you love your children or your spouse or whoever else, whoever else is in your life that you have the closest thing to unconditional love, that his love is better than that for you. Do you feel free then? I do. I have these brief moments where I sit and I let myself sit in that. And go, it doesn't matter what you say. By the way, it don't matter what you say, right? I wish I believed that all the time. What if the church, yes, us, I guess it's letters to you. What if you, in this room, whether this is your church or not, walked out of here and walked in what? Confidence, power, authority, given to you by the Spirit, and you understood what it changed the way you approached your call. That your call isn't to give a sanitized perfect, clean, fake version of what it is to be a Christian, but it's to show all of the warts, all of the struggles, that dirtiness, that walking, and that constant saying, but he's not through with me yet. That at this moment, when we were most helpless, he came and saved us. That's the message. Listen to me. It's not a weight. If it's a weight, it's not Jesus. How do I know that? Because he said that, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. About to cry, right? Even the saying that. Do you feel rest? If you don't, then it's not his burden that's on your shoulders. It's not his chains. It's either the world's or some church or some pastor or some professor or yourself because you tend to do it yourself more than anyone else. Because you can't imagine, and that's the mystery of the gospel, folks. You can't imagine that when he saved you, he knew you were going to do what you ended up doing. (laughs) Right? You're free. I mean that. You are free. You are free. You are good enough. You are accepted. You are free to the Father. Is he going to leave you where you're at? No, he loves you too much for that. Just like you wouldn't leave your kid. I watch, you know, when your kid's getting the brownies. For some reason, that's always the picture. And they got brownie all over them, and they look all nasty, and then they wipe their diaper all over the walls, and you're like, I love you. I'm going to leave you in that, right? You're my kid, so I'm going to leave you in that. No, you don't. When they got a dirty diaper, you change it, right? Because they are your child. He's not going to leave us in it, but we're free. And with that comes, uh, if, if we can truly live out of it, comes the most incredible feeling in the world. 
then when we follow him, it's not so, the reason we don't like to follow him sometimes is because there's a pressure with it. If I fail in following him, then what? I'm a prisoner again? So I'd rather not even try. I know that's weird to think about, but isn't that really what it is? Maybe if I don't make too much of a ruckus, he'll at least let me stay outside. But if I try and fail, he's going to lock me back up. That's not it. As God usually does, a verse I had today, I wasn't in my notes, and I should have put it on here. It would have been great, right? Jesus in, in the Gospel of John says, and who the Son has set free is free indeed. <laughs> Nobody can put you back. Who's going to tell God, right, that he's going to lock up someone he says is free? I don't want to be the guy doing that. Some of you, right, you going to let me come take your kid and throw him in jail? Huh? Oh, this is where I usually want to say someone's name, but then I can't because we're getting filmed now. But, right, I know it hasn't stopped me in the past, but I'm trying to get better. Anyway, right, am I going to come grab your kid? I'm going to throw him in jail because he spilled the milk. You going to let me do that to your infant? Some of you won't even let me hold your kid when he's crying. Hint, hint, right? <laughs> Ernie, anyway. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little, I'll end this. You know, if I'm all over the place, forgive me. Crowns and chains. We're freed from chains and given a crown. We don't need to be, to live our life trying to make one ourselves when the Father gives us a crown that's everlasting, Scripture says. Oof. Crown of righteousness. Right? Paul says it over and over. Guys, go and start reading your Bibles and actually let yourself read it in a sense that you're free. I forget what's behind and I race, right, toward the prize. Hmm. Here's another thing before we go. Did you know that like any good father that he's going to reward you for the things you do? That he, Does that make sense? It's not communism, right? What do I mean by that? I mean in the sense that, you know, he sees your good works. That even though, you know, we're all going to get there, that we're free, that some of us he's going to say, right, well done, my good and faithful servant. Some of us he's going to have, you know, it says that. It's a, isn't that cool? That we're all loved, but he's also going to say, hey, I noticed that time you... You help that person. I noticed that time you cleaned that toilet. That's a big one for me. I noticed that time that you, you know, bought that person. You gave them money when you didn't have it. I noticed that time that you showed grace and mercy. I noticed that time that you told them about me. I noticed it. I saw it. I'm proud of you. Listen, I'm going to give you some things here. I, want, I have them listed, one through five, because there's thoughts I want you to take with you today. I wouldn't write these as notes. You can. They're not in note format here. Today was a weird day. I just tried to be obedient. Number one. What do I want, because I wrote this, of what do I want you guys to take from this, if this is the letter? I told you a lot. One, that we're free, and no one or anything, no one nor anything that anyone says can make us prisoners again. You are free. You're free. I need you to hear that. But Todd, I've done this yesterday. Doesn't matter, you're free. But Todd, you can't even put yourself back in jail, right? You can go in there and play make-believe. It's really sad. You're free. Number two, that we often, even though we're free, we often return to our jail cell. Jail cell, there's my southern. Anyway, our prison cell, because it's comfortable and easy. Some of you need to understand that your freedom isn't used, isn't to be used to sin. That's stupid, <laughs> okay? Let me be freed so I can commit crimes. Does that sound rational? No. So you go back in the place that's comfortable and easy and miserable because what? Because you think you're going to fail anyway? That's what you do. Be real with yourself. You don't try because you're afraid to try and fail. Well, quit it. He's already done the hard part. You just got to live. Number three, that when we do go back into that jail cell, and that, man, I cannot say jail cell without sounding southern, prison cell, because it's comfortable and easy, easy, that when we do, we can be told by other people, right? When, because I'm using that illusion as when we sin. When you sin, you're walking back in the prison cell. When you do that, when you make a mistake, you kind of, because sometimes you walk in, you're like, maybe I do want to stay here. And you're like, no, I don't, right? You run out. Sometimes when you even walk in, there's people around who want to tell you that it affects our freedom. That because you step back in the cell, you're still a prisoner. Not true. Understand what I'm saying? Your salvation is secured by Jesus. Your justification is secured by Jesus. I already said this, but number four, that our freedom that I just told you about shouldn't be used to sin. If you're in this room and you're using it to sin, 
Remember how I said he sees all the good stuff? He sees all the bad stuff. And that's not to tell you that he's going to put you in jail, but you think he's going to let you throw brownie all over the place forever, right? right? He's going to let you sit in your nasty diaper. He's not going to do that. He's going to free you. And it's not always fun to be freed. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I know that, right? I'm sure some of you do too. Our freedom shouldn't be used to sin. This is beautiful. You know what your freedom should be used for? To help others be free and to do good works. <laughs> to do what he made you to do anyway, which is to be an image bearer, that your life is lived in such a way that you are salt last week and light of the world, that, that looking at you points people to him so they too can be free. How did you become free? How did you become this? I used to be a weed too. Remember, if you were here last week, go listen, you'll know what I mean. You're not anymore. And number five, that a misunderstanding between our justification and our sanctification can make our Christian walk feel overwhelming and hopeless. And so we sit in the cell because at least it's known. I can count all the little nasty cracks, right? And we don't have to live out of the roller coaster feeling like we fail, get a little better, fail, etc. Sometimes we just give up and sit in the cell because well, at least I, I'm not going to fail. Well, if you understood that your freedom isn't contingent on your failure, then you're really free. Right? Does that make sense? Are you with me? Does that encourage anyone? Don't just pass or taught me, really. Raise your hand in the air, because it should. I, listen, I'm still not there yet. I, I wish I could tell you that I still get it. I spent part of today, even though I knew I was going to do this, sitting there going, God, what if I'm free? You are, but what if, like, let that sink in. When you drive home today, say, I'm free. Right? I know what's going to happen. You win. If you put your faith in Jesus, the story ends with you winning. Period. You're free. You don't have to live under the weight of shame, condemnation, fear. You don't. And yes, guys, there are consequences to sin. And sometimes that's what you guys do. You run from that. But why? It's like running around. I told you a few weeks ago. I'm not going to tell it again. You remember the story I told you about where I burned myself on the car lighter? Those that were here, right? I tried to hide it from my dad because I thought he'd be mad at me when the truth is as soon as I told him when I did, I was hurting still, but he went and bought me some spray, carried me home, told me it was okay. I cost myself a lot of needless pain because I wouldn't go to my father. We do that often. And then I have all caps here. You ready for my last part? We are free. You're free. It's a beautiful thing. She's going to come play some music. I want to ask you guys a question. I want you to think. This is called altar time. Well, Todd, it's 7.15. I know. Stay with me. This altar time, it's not about me. It's not even about whether this was good. It's about what God's doing in you. What is God saying to you today? See, some of you don't know God. You don't. You know of him. That's why you're here. But you've never really known him. And you're wondering that feeling inside of you right now, that stirring, that uncomfortable thing that kind of makes you want to run, but also at the same time makes you want to stay. That's the Holy Spirit moving in you. That's God's whispering, saying, hey, I'm right here. I want you to listen, everyone. Are you living free? Living free is not keeping the illusion of perfection, by the way. Are you living free? Or have you been living in a jail cell? <laughs> Prison cell. Have you let people make you believe your mistakes have condemned you once again? Because you've messed up, right? You sin. It's so funny that I get accused of saying sin doesn't matter just because I say that sin doesn't have any power over me. <laughs> right? That I say the cross is greater than my mistakes. And somehow I can get attacked for that? For telling you guys that? I didn't make that up. Have you let people make you believe, even, I don't care if they got a pastor, a doctor, they're your Uncle Bob, they're yourself, whoever, make you believe your mistakes have condemned you once again, that they have tricked you into thinking that that prison cell is locked? Or are you one of the people that have mistakenly believed that God's grace means you're free to live like you aren't free? See, some of you are that person. Some of you are the person that you think you've been living and saying, oh, I'm good, man. God's got me. And then you wonder why you're miserable. God frees you from being enslaved to sin. You are not freed from the natural consequences of sin on this side of heaven, right? You're not. You jump off a cliff, you're going to break some bones. That's just how it is. If you disobey God, things are going to go bad. 
Are you embracing a lifestyle that isn't pleasing to God? And so you run into it. You, you literally, listen, I want you to understand what you're doing when you do that. I'm not condemning you. See, some of you in this room today, I, I, you need to hear this. You think I'm condemning you. No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you to understand you're free. I can't get you to understand you're free until you realize you're, you're acting like a prisoner. Quit it. <laughs> Quit embracing a lifestyle that you know isn't bringing you happiness. You guys want to experience the free and true joy and peace that comes from accepting that you're free. If not, right? If you really want to accept that, then let today be the day. I want you guys walking out of here with all those burdens that you raised your hand on, on the ground. Leave them at the foot of the cross, right? That's what this altar time is. I want you to understand that God is here. Fact. Jesus himself said, we're two or three and gather my name, there I am also. It says that you are each, I love this picture, says that when you're, if you're a Christian in this room, you're a stone. And when all the stones come together, guess what they build? The temple. You know what was in the temple? The presence of God. God is here. I don't know what he's telling you. Maybe you're a person that, that needs to confess that you've been living your life in a way that you shouldn't. You want to you really walk out and live out of that freedom again. You can do it. The Bible says that if you confess your sin, that he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you today. In the dark, no one's looking. The camera's going to be off. Why do we do that? Because it says there's power in prayer, that when we confess our sins to each other, that there's healing. Did you know it says that? And before you say that sounds weird, you know what I'm talking about. When you finally get something off your chest, it feels good, doesn't it? These people can be trusted, but you don't need them. But if you feel called to do what you should... Maybe you're struggling because someone's made you feel condemned. I don't know. But whatever you do, do not leave here believing you're a prisoner. Don't leave here burdened. Don't leave here thinking that this is a weight when it's really freedom. And if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, then it doesn't matter how big you make your tinfoil crown, you're still a prisoner. Here's the beauty of the gospel. God made everything and he made it perfect and good. And he said, I made you, you. Well, I'm not good enough. Yes, you are because he made you. You are made in the image of God. And he gave you a job and that job is to reflect his glory, point people to him, rule in his name. He said, he gave us one rule at the time. He said, let me be God and you not. I'll tell you what right and wrong is, you follow. And we rebelled and we rejected. That's what happened at the tree, right? And so thousands of years of human existence has shown us and shown you what life without the creator really is. A series of constant, constant get up, fall, get up, fall. Shame and fear. Attempts to numb that pain that you just can't get to go away, right? I was old enough that I wasn't raised in church. No, I didn't come from a line of Christians, so I can tell you this, and, and there's blessings and tough parts about that. But one of the blessings is I know what it is to have been a prisoner and I know what it is to be set free. You can too. So how do I do that, Todd? I'm, you're separated from God. Well, I just told you, Jesus Christ came down, showed you how to live, showed you what it is to live free, and then he did an incredible thing. He died on the cross, took your mistakes, your sin, your penalty, and he gave you the benefits of his perfect life. How do you get that? The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. And then the prison door opens and light comes in and you're free. Come to him, right? Turn away from your old ways. That's what repent means. And put your faith in Jesus. And today you can walk out free. Whatever you do, wherever you're at in your life, do not leave the same as you came in because if you do, you are choosing to.